0: Hi, this is Fred Klein, a director, storyboard artist, and art director, and you are listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Go and Dave Bossert.
1: All right, welcome once again for yet another edition of Skull Rock Podcast. Every week... We talk about all things Disney and pop culture with never-before-heard stories, behind-the-scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and much more. I am one of your co-hosts, Al John Go. I am a musician, podcaster, longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan. I specialize in pop culture. That's why I'm here. You can email me,
2: John A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard. I'm an artist, filmmaker, and author. And welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. In fact, John, I have a, a quick little note here from Sam in the UK who said, I'm a student from the UK. And I recently started listening to the Skull Rock podcast on the way to and from college. And I love it. (laughs) You know something? Yeah, I I like hearing, uh, you know, it was a quick little note from Sam in the UK. And I was like, hey, thank you, Sam. That's fantastic. I'm glad you're enjoying the show, and I'm glad you're listening to us uh, on your drive to and from college. That's awesome.
1: I love it when our fans uh, send us those notes. And and feel free, like I said, drop us those emails, uh, send us those voice messages, and you can uh, with Anchor.fm, which is our podcast partner host. You can always go to our um our link in bio, as I always say, but you know, in the show notes, you can click the link, and you can just drop us a voicemail too using that same app. So it's it's pretty convenient. Um, but yeah, I mean, we love to hear those notes and those reviews too. Keep them coming,
2: and, and you know, it just shows we're an international show. Al John. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely internet alan in taiwan sam in the uk that's We've right got people all over the world listening to us it's i love fantastic. it
1: it is fantastic and thank you all for taking us on the road with you on your commute on your bus ride on your uh if you're in the tube if you will yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly the, but, tube, um, the metro the subway the
1: subway yeah exactly <laughs> on the long drive the
2: bar yeah exactly wherever it is
1: or wherever it is dave <laughs> so i hope you had a good week dave
2: I did. It was a very good week. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the the holidays are barreling down on us and uh, there's just so much to do before the end of the year. And we've got some fantastic guests, including today. We've got Richard Kraft Mm. Oh my, I gotta tell you One of the nicest guys in the industry He's uh, uh, a manager in the music world uh, And he's a partner in Kraft and Engel Entertainment Uh, They rep some of the the most incredible uh, composers, songwriters, uh, music supervisors There are in the industry Including Alan Menken and Danny Elfman And And Bruce Broughton uh, Bruce Broughton, yeah, uh, yeah. Richard Sherman. I yep. mean, it just goes, the list goes on and on, uh, but he's going to be with us uh, for uh, a wonderful discussion about music in the industry. And uh, he's going to come back for a second show and he's going to talk about Craftland. That's right. Craftland. Craftland. Because he is like an Uber Disney collector.
1: I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, please check that out um, and check out the check out the uh, the stuff he's done that you've seen. I mean, I know I didn't know about his role in music until much later in, in management, but I did know about his collection and mm-hmm. uh, that is pretty awesome. And, about- and
2: by, by the way, I have to tell you, when he sold that collection, they, they put it on display in a 40,000 square foot, two story, former sports chalet department store with escalators and everything. Wow. Uh, and and Nan- Nancy and I went down there and uh, had an opportunity to walk around and see just, I mean, what an, a remarkable, probably one of the greatest collections of Disney memorabilia ever put together. It's amazing,
1: you know, and Man. that's that's what an Uber fan does, right? And we yeah. haven't really co- connected uh, with any hardcore collectors, and he's probably the top of the list in terms of hardcore Disney, especially Disney Parks memorabilia
2: collecting. Well, you know, we want to get the top pinnacle people on our show you know so of course we're gonna get Richard on to talk about collecting I feel like yeah that's gonna be next week but this week we're gonna be talking all about music and producing shows and all kinds of stuff
1: now it's gonna be great because he's got so many great stories um and worked with immense talent all the top talent so uh that's why you're listening to this show another another reason why you're listening to the show oh is by the way uh before we get into the rest of the news disney plus day and all i have to say it is uh the holidays as you say are barreling down and uh it's crazy that it's already here but uh, i want to make sure everybody goes out there and gets your brand new book dave i mean you know once again you're you're on the gift giving guides out there you're uh, it's a an amazing book, and you're an award winning author, so everybody should pick up this uh, this Claude Coates book uh, that you've been working on slaving over, and uh, make that part of your uh, holiday gifting experience. <laughs>
2: thank, thank you for that shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, the check is in the mail. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. Uh, I'll be here <laughs> all week, folks. I'll be here
1: all week. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news.
1: Before we get into Disney Plus Day and all of its great reveals and all of the cool trailers, I wanted to mention this. Davy sent me this note about Disney launching the first ever NFT range. And uh, for those of you that aren't in the know, NFTs are
2: non-fungible tokens. <laughs>
1: You're crying out loud. Okay. Yeah. You say it so much better than I, I, I was, <laughs> I don't even, I mean, non fungible. Okay. So it's not it. Okay. It's not, it, it's fun, it, just the word fungible. is just hilarious because it's like fungus and fun and, and, uh, fund, you know, obviously, but you it's can't just say a,
2: fungible without smiling. You
1: can't. I mean, I'm laughing ear to ear just <laughs> talking about it. But it's just a unique offering. It's totally digital. So a lot of people have gone into this, a lot of movie studios, a lot of superstars uh, doing special art and different things like that that only the Uber fans can pick up, and you're the only one to get that.
2: Yeah, but, no, uh, it's a, a lot of sports figures are yeah. involved with it as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and in the art world, too, Yes, um, you know, there was there was a, um, a non-fungible token of a piece of art that sold for many millions of dollars uh, uh, earlier this year. And that's interesting because the whole
1: point of this NFT is to avoid anyone from getting ripped off. Right. I mean, you you don't want um, counterfeits out there. Is that is that am I getting that right? Like.
2: Yeah, I mean, these are these are digital pieces of either, you know, a, a clip of uh, of art uh, or, you know, a clip of a video clip uh, that apparently is the only one available. You, you would be the only person that would own that and wow. it can't be counterfeited. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's such a new area. Um, you know, we were talking before the show and, and you said, like, I think this is a fad. And my response was just like the internet, right? <laughs> but, you know, but
1: the internet has got some legs. I understand, <laughs> I understand, you know, that, you know, it was a passing fad and, and all of a sudden it became something. But, um, you've sent me this link from invest.com and it says joining the ranks of Coca-Cola, Nike, Disney. launched its official range of non-fungible tokens and while this is not the media's first giant rare limited product it marks the first since the advent of crypto space so we've got stuff from marvel pixar star wars and the simpsons uh it launched last week and there's a nft release from uh frozen which is elsa uh ultra rare digital collectible um that was yeah. released actually the other day so that's just it's interesting it's these kind of weird you know i don't know <laughs> I guess it's something you say. it's I I just
2: I just hope with Disney jumping into this space that they don't saturate it like they did with the Sarah cells and uh, and and they essentially killed the uh, cell collecting market because they just dumped all these different variations and just saturated the market. I hope they don't do that with NFTs.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, there was a time when I really started looking into collecting some Disney animated cells and Warner Brothers as well. And I'm like, no, no, this, I mean, by the time I was really getting into it, I it's like, I think the market started going down. So it's just, yeah, I mean, you know,
2: to me on this, on the cell collecting side, the, the real valuable ones are the actual hand painted cells that were used in the film. Or there, there was a, a, you know, some limited edition uh, hand painted cells that they did uh, for employees at the company. Mm -hmm. And those to me are the ones that are of value. Uh, When you start going into these uh, Sarah cells and these printed cells and, uh, you know, mass produced cells, uh, you know, there, you don't know what you're getting.
1: I mean, it's cool, I guess, if you just wanted something to display in the house um, like a movie poster, which, by the way, I'm getting ready to do, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm going to get some some of our Disney art friends and get some really cool art. But um, cool, I need to decorate the house. But anyway, Disney's going to be making Iron Man, R two D two, and many more available over the next week. So please take a look at it. Um, check out just search for Disney NFT. And now, Dave, uh, this is huge. So Disney drum, drum roll, please. <laughs> Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day has uh, come and gone. And on Friday, the internet was all abuzz about Disney Plus. And uh, very interesting stuff there. Do you catch any of this uh, stuff? I I have to say it was different than what I had envisioned. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you know, I I did um, uh, read a couple of uh, articles here and there that were popping up throughout the day uh, as the announcements were rolling out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, listen, uh, they uh, the stock got hammered this past week because they can't they came in soft on their subscriber numbers, which. In a sense, I find a little ridiculous because they're so far ahead of their original projections on launching Disney Plus. Yeah, you know. So, is it funny kind of how the market
1: reacts to that kind of stuff?
2: It, it, it's very emotional, and, <laughs> and the, it presents opportunities for people who can see the opportunities. Exactly you know? right. This is the time to buy, buy, buy. That's all yeah, I was exactly. saying. It's like the so, NSYNC song yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but but you know what? The streaming services really are all about content, mm-hmm. uh, and it and we're still in a wild west period because there's so many different uh, uh, services out there, and at some oh. point there's going to be some kind of consolidation. This
1: is true. I can see it coming, and um, you know, one day all. You remember uh, that that quote from Demolition Man? You know, one day all all restaurants will be Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah. uh but uh, once again just a, a flurry of announcements i had thought this was going to be more like the 2020 investor call type of uh, you know here is kathleen kennedy you know talking about star wars and here is uh, uh kevin feige talking about marvel and here's bob chapek and and the the studio is talking about everything that's going on around this that and the other and it seems to me that they just use Twitter uh, and YouTube as their aggregate. And they just kind of just flooded the feed and talking about all these new things. But um, basically, I, and I and you know this better than I do, Dave. I mean, this is the end of the year, practically. We're right here at the finish line. Does Disney's um, fiscal year end with the calendar year?
2: No, it does not. Oh, okay. Uh, their 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 fiscal year ends actually um, uh, at the end of September. Ah, uh, okay,
1: gotcha. Okay, yeah. And it's the new
2: fi- the new fiscal year always begins on October first.
1: Okay, well there there you go, gang. There you go. I mean they're starting out hot with a Disney Plus day uh, subscriptions, new subscriptions for one ninety nine. You can try it for a month for one ninety nine. So that's amazing if you haven't tried the service. And I'm, I'm sure many of our audience have already been subscribers probably since in the infancy of, of Disney+. Plus. But that's a really cool thing. And the other thing, too, is that they had a flurry of great announcements. So um, one of those things is all the cool uh, stuff you can stream right now on Disney+, Plus, like Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings that also premiered on Disney+, Plus uh, the other day. You uh-huh. also have The Jungle Cruise with Emily yep. Blunt and The Rock, that's in there, mm-hmm. and then in a brand new original plus movie, Home Sweet Home Alone, which oh is a, a reimagining. Now,
2: I, I saw I saw the trailer for this, and, <laughs> and you know we're we're Home Alone fans in our yeah, house, uh huh. You a, know the original yeah. ones, that's right. And when when we saw this one, uh, it was boy, I, we we kind of looked at each other, you know. Uh it's a
1: it's a holiday. Um, christmas tradition in our household
2: yeah yeah. i was talking
1: to Kristen about what are what are our traditions what are we going to pass down to our children and one of them is always watching holiday movies you know and i saw this and i'm thinking to myself hollywood has truly run out of ideas yeah i
2: I mean it is kind of sad isn't it well i'm not going to
1: judge it until i see it but yeah. I was kind of like you. I was kind of off-put. I'm like, uh, I'm, oh.
2: I'm, I'm a little ahead of you. I am kind of judging it after seeing the trailer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, gang. You heard it here first from the boss. The boss says, uh, skeptic, I'm staying away from that. Don't. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure. <laughs> I,
2: I, I may take a look at it, but okay. uh, after watching the trailer, I, I was a, a, a bit aghast at it, you know? So. Well,
1: I, I will say what I did like is this Olaf presents and that it once again is coming from Disney animated wow. animation, and that Olaf special where they're talking about their their holiday, um, you know, uh, traditions. This is exactly what brought up this conversation because we we're watching with the kids and they loved it. Of course, yeah. anything like well, that. Well,
2: you know was- something I have to tell you, Olaf is one of the best original characters to come along in quite a number of years. Mm And I, and and I'm really glad to see that they're, they're really using him uh, and doing a lot with him. Absolutely. I
1: mean, I hate to say he's a new Mickey mouse, but. You know,
2: No, I can't say that, and I'm not going to compare him to Mickey Mouse. No. But, you know, every so often you get a character that comes along that is so great and so original that it's going to stick for a long time. You know, and I I sit there and say, like, Roger Rabbit was like that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a really great character. Oh, yeah. Um, and you look at uh, a character like, you know, Pumbin Timon, Yep, you know, from from The Lion King yep. uh or uh now Olaf, you yep. know, Olaf is just a great character. And and you know, I think and I've said this for many years, I think that there are other characters within uh you know, secondary characters w- within within these Disney films that they haven't exploited enough. Mm-hmm. Um that they can they could use uh because there there is a fan base for them you know
1: well we're gonna get to that for sure because i feel like one of the announcements that i really dig is they're doing cars on the road Have you heard Uh about uh, have you seen that and i was gonna i was gonna play a clip with larry the cable guy because you talk about you know a sidekick that's really getting his own turn mater is just a just a phenomenal character speaks to just Talk about being genuine and heartfelt, and very accessible and relatable to a lot of people. Mater is yeah. a, just a phenomenal character, yeah, and much in the same way Olaf is with a childlike quality, right? So, yeah, yeah. But um, there is a little bit of that there too. Another animated short film um, that they mentioned is that Chow Alberto from Pixar's uh, hit hit film Luca, and. Once again, I think this looks so good because I am a huge Luca fan. I told Kristen because she actually has yet to see it. I said, Luca is a great film. Like, I really, really dig I, it.
2: Listen, I'm going to watch it at some point. I just, I'm disappointed that I couldn't see it in the theater. Yeah. Because I would have jumped at the opportunity and seen it uh, on the big screen. But I'm sort of like, I have to say, I'm, I'm like, you know, dragging my feet a little bit here on, you know, sitting down and watching it on uh, on the television. Yeah. It's a different experience. Right? It is, it you know? really is, and you see that's where your
1: your partner Aljon comes in because I haven't been able to go to the theater because of our little kiddos, so yeah. so here we go, you know here so, but yeah, that looks good as well. Um, we also have a new short from The Simpsons um, Disney Plus Day uh, with the, the, an interesting animation there from The Simpsons, which is great. Um, season two of the World According to Jeff Goldblum, just really cool stuff from National Geographic, which by the way I think is a um underrated gem in the Uh the disney plus lineup because all of those documentaries and chris and i are huge fans of documentaries we love that show it's a great show well put together um there is a boba fett special which is behind the helmet that uh, is also being um that's also available now for streaming and then an original series starring michael keaton released in all international markets called dope sick is in there as well uh,
2: yeah yeah i had i had seen some trailers for that you know michael keaton's great i i i just you know anything he's in i i absolutely love yeah
1: there's nothing
2: there that I, i'm
1: you know uh, michael keaton to me is like tops you know he and harrison ford and samuel L. jackson i think they can do no wrong <laughs> you know um, there you go but Here's the meat and potatoes of it all, Dave. So those are the things you can stream now. How about the things that are being teased? And I don't know if you have a particular one from Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar that that you're into. Um, Do you want to just rattle off something that you might be interested in?
2: You seen, have you seen uh, well, all certainly, the, the uh, certainly any of the Marvel stuff yeah. and uh, and and you know even uh, even Star Wars it, it, you know like the uh, the series that that uh, was on uh, slips my mind you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah
1: so let's play um, a little let's play a little audio clip of that because I actually have queued up a little
0: something here for a us hunger for this character to come back the fans have been waiting long enough you know
2: something that's
1: extremely exciting is the return of obviously Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is quite a dark time that we're coming into with him. Just being a Jedi, it's not safe. There's Jedi hunters out there. At least he has this one task left, which is to keep Luke safe. That's definitely a starting place for our story. The interesting thing is going
2: to be where it goes from there.
0: The most beautiful thing of all is that it's brought me back together with Hayden.
1: We are bringing back Hayden Christensen to reprise the role of Darth Vader. We couldn't tell the story of Obi Wan Kenobi without addressing Anakin or Vader. Have
2: another swing at each other. It might be quite satisfying for everybody. Okay.
1: (laughs) First of all, Ewan McGregor can't do anything wrong. He's like an amazing actor. And I love the fact that um, they've got an amazing director from Star Wars already uh, in Deborah Chow. Um, But what is up? Obi-Wan and Darth Vader squaring off again. They showed some scenes of them sparring with lightsabers and the pretend lightsabers. I'm thinking to myself, "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. At the very end of the, the, the prequel trilogy, You saw, I've got the high ground Anakin, don't try it. And then Vader jumps over and Obi-Wan slices him and dices him. And he's left there to be rescued by the emperor to become Darth Vader. And you don't see them again until a new hope. And then Darth Vader says, um, we meet again at last, you know, which is the big villainous phrase, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan, we meet again at last at first, you know, whatever, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like space balls all over again. But, are you telling me that there is an extra time There's another time that they square off And nobody knew about it
2: Well hey listen That's <laughs> that, that's the magic of Hollywood isn't it you know? I guess so you can, keep, you can keep creating
1: backstories I think this is going to be great So I am definitely looking forward to it
2: um, about You know the-, the one thing The one thing I have to say about some of these uh, Series that they're dropping I mean they are The production value is unbelievable It's like a movie yeah. yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, you know, it's a visual feast. I yeah. mean, it's so
1: well done. Right. So Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be de-ble- de- <laughs> debuting on <laughs> Disney Plus. On twenty at 2022. So you can see that here in, in uh, later next year. Gosh, I can't believe it's almost here. So that is the big Star Wars news. Um, we already know about the book of Boba Fett that is getting ready to launch here in just a few weeks time. And then Mandalorian season three. Thank you.
2: That's what I, that's the word I was searching for. Mandalorian. Mandalorian. When is that coming? When <laughs> is that coming? Mandalorian
1: is going to be out, I believe in the spring, early spring. Okay.
2: And then, and they're going to drop it once a week, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, that's the big issue with the streaming services because you can sign up for a month, Watch whatever it is you want to watch and then cancel it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And if you and if you were just a Mandalorian fan, you know, you could you could sign up after all ten episodes have dropped or eight episodes, whatever number they're doing, and you could binge watch it and then cancel the service.
1: Yeah. You could which is what you know? I did with Paramount Plus when Picard came out. <laughs>
2: yeah. You so, know? so there's a, there, there's a, you know, there, the, the streaming world is grappling with all of that right now because people are signing on watching a bunch of stuff and then canceling the service. Oh, and so it's, true. it's all about dropping new content and, and trying to retain subscribers.
1: Yeah. Well, they've retained me for sure. And yeah. uh, that's why I could keep on coming back. So I
2: don't know. It, it, you know, I'm not that kind of a person. I, I, you know, if I sign on to a service, I, I just pay my monthly fee. Mm-hmm. If I don't watch it, you know, for a couple of weeks, I don't watch it for a couple of weeks. I'm not in there canceling and then restarting. And it, it, that, that just seems like too much of a hassle for me.
1: Yeah, I think it just depends on what you feel is valuable, you know, yeah. because for one, for- I signed up for Peacock just to see Halloween. You know,
2: okay. I was yeah. like, you know,
1: I'm gonna pay my, you know, 7.99 or whatever it is, because you could rent the movie or buy the movie for, you know, for whatever, that the same the price. Same
2: amount. So yeah, let's just I go know. ahead,
1: and then we'll sample whatever else we want to see on on on, on yeah. Peacock, whether it's Saved by the Bell or whatever else we're gonna watch just I, for giggles. I honestly,
2: you know, the the some of these streaming services, the monthly fee is like the cost of two happy meals. Yeah.
1: So I mean, you know, you it's know? no big I mean, deal. Really- It's no big deal, but, you know, but once again, you vote with your wallet, right? And I think Disney Uh has got so much great stuff. And, you know, we talked about Tiana. Um, That series is going to be coming out in 2023. So they set the table for that. Zootopia Plus. (laughs) Zootopia Plus. That's going to be a series coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Uh Um, So Kristen's super excited about those. We talked about Cars on the Road. But this is probably the most, um, the, the one of two different things we're super excited about which is disenchanted which is the film uh the sequel to enchanted featuring amy adams and patrick dempsey yeah which is that blend of live action and animation which is going to be happening
2: really terrific oh i thought it
1: was great and i love the music for it too fall of uh, 2022 is when that's going to be coming out along with hocus pocus 2. so they're getting the band back together dave and we talked about this on the show
2: Listen, this is this is the kind of thing that I love mm-hmm. is when they get the original cast back together yep. to to do a sequel or to tell more of the story and uh, and I was really happy about that the fact that they're getting. Uh, um, you know, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and uh Najimy, Kathy Najimy. Yeah, Kathy Najimy back, mm-hmm. and you know, listen, uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's great. That's why I kind of felt like if you're gonna do another Home Alone, like it, could you could you have gotten the original cast back together? oh well, you could have. You, you, you could have. You know? This is
1: this could, could be, you, be about Macaulay Culkin's kid. You know
2: it, exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> Macaulay Culkin now has his kid, and uh, and then you've got. uh um, you know, Joe Pashy and, yes. uh, you know, uh, What's his face? Yeah, yeah uh, I know. It's, 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 I know he's a like great actor. The, the, the I can name escapes from him, but I, I yeah. can't remember his name. Yeah, now, he's got paint all know? over his and, face, and, of course. Um, uh uh, 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 Stern,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, Daniel, 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 Daniel Stern. Stern. Thank you, Daniel yeah. Stern. Uh-huh.
2: You know, but I mean, couldn't you those guys are getting out of jail now? I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that could have been the whole, you know, uh, you know, a whole revenge story. Dave, you, know? you just wrote an entire
1: sequel. How about that? That's amazing. I'm so Dave, Dave pitch me i'm sold let's let's do it let's buy it
2: um
1: and then uh then uh, talking about sequels so with disney acquiring all of the fox assets now you have the yeah. new studio so they have simon pegg back as buck in the adventures of ice age the adventures of buck wild which is going to be launching here in a few months january 28th 2022 on disney plus and um, I was a big fan of the Ice Age films. I thought that was—I uh, thought they were smart and they were funny. Uh, John Leguizamo and and all them—they were really great act voice actors for that. Um, yeah. But then here you go—they're—they're they're starting a whole new uh, adventure now with Disney. So that's interesting. Um, Baymax of Big Hero Six, I think, is great. I love the character of Baymax. So they're doing a animated uh, Disney Plus offering this summer or this coming summer. And uh, we talked a little bit about this, too. Robert Zemeckis is doing a uh, retelling of Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, This is interesting. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Keegan-Michael Key, and Lorraine Bracco, um, and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth is going to be featured in this. This is going to be interesting. Um, Tom Hanks, It really will be,
2: and- you know, I think yeah, Tom Hanks is in it, and, and it's going to be interesting to see because Bob Zemeckis is always sort of on the on the leading edge of uh, of the latest technology. So it's going to be interesting to see visually how this this film comes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the cast that's you know in it, uh, I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing it. And you know, I have to say that for me, Pinocchio the animated version. The, the animated film Pinocchio to me is like the pinnacle of the animation art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful film uh, that has stood the test of time, but I don't mind that they're doing, you know, going off and, and trying something different with that story. Yeah.
1: Once again, let, let's wait and see, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: that, That's kind of how I I'm putting it, you know? Uh, yeah. But, you know, look, some, some of the other remakes, I, first off, some of the more current animated films already look like they're live action, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. the, with the humanoid characters, you, you, you just sit there and go like, it's not a leap to make, you know, Raya and the last dragon, uh, a live action movie. No, there's, you know, there's no uh, real big leap there. No, uh, we were,
1: I'm trying to remember what we saw. Zemeckis, was he involved in that Mars Needs Moms, um, a thing that disney did like about 10 years ago with this new uh motion
2: capture and all that stuff i'm not, I'm not sure you know he did polar express, did, obviously, polar or, express. Or, or, yeah but yeah. Yeah. early on yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but you know if you if you look at the films that bob zemeckis has done uh you know he he's really uh always uh doing something different and on the leading edge you know yeah. i mean he directed uh who framed roger rabbit
1: exactly right i mean yeah. he's always been that that guy um You know, I I do love the fact that Disney Plus Day did give us an extended look at at something that is super cool, Dave. You and I talked about this Beatles doc,
2: Um, The Beatles Get
1: Back, and that is going to be released.
2: That's dropping when on Thanksgiving? Yeah,
1: Black Friday, brother.
2: Yeah, yeah i'm looking forward to
1: it yeah it looks great three night event starting on disney plus november 25th of 2021 um big fan of the beatles yeah. so we check that i'm not
2: out. watching it each night i'm gonna wait until it's all up and then <laughs> gonna, i'm gonna binge watch it all together you're gonna binge it after
1: all that turkey the tryptophan kicks in you're gonna wake up in your easy chair there you go say let's watch the beatles honey let's do it that's right uh yeah. chip and dale rescue rangers excited about that john mullaly and uh Ed, Andy Samberg is uh, voicing Chippendale respectively on this hybrid live action CG animated feature, which I have to say it kind of gives me that whole Alvin and the chipmunks vibe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, uh, I'm actually uh, I, I like those characters. me too uh, Chippendale. I think they're terrific little characters and uh, you know, if you, uh, you can certainly watch all of the shorts um, you know, from the 40s and 50s, uh, yeah. you know, uh, on uh, Disney Plus. My favorite antagonist for uh,
1: Donald Fauntleroy Duck, for sure.
2: And there uh, you
1: go. So how about this? Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. So he is pushing his body to the brink. He wants to be the ultimate superhero. I said to Kristen, this guy wants to literally be a real-life Thor. And yeah. he's sitting there dangling from a, a trolley car and, you know, like – he's an adrenaline junkie dave this guy i think so yeah so that's gonna be on uh, nat geo and that also with will smith and here we go will smith the one of the biggest names in entertainment doing a doc for nat geo welcome to earth which looks cool Mm. as well um america the beautiful which is nice i mean we talk about uh, the love that we have for disney nature those type of docs this one takes us into america and sometimes the, the great adventure is in your backyard, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things about America and in nature that's going to be great. Um, there are so many other announcements. I just wanted to uh, uh, at least give you the highlights for the all non-Disney stuff, right? Um, but let, or the non-Star uh, Wars, Marvel, uh, Marvel stuff. But you, we talked about Marvel and you're looking forward to Marvel. Um, and before we do that, we have this uh, Warwick Davis. Did you see this? Uh, this kind of funny take on Willow uh, when he was talking to all these young actors, actresses? No, no. no. Check I out check out one. this clip. No, that's actually the one Star Wars movie I haven't seen. But it's great to have you back for this one. You know this isn't Star Wars though, right? So there you have it. The young, or younger supporting cast of the brand new Willow series coming next year to Disney+.
2: Hang on, it's Warwick. No, Warwick. It's Warwick.
0: Number Warwick. No Warwick. 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 No, no. Forget the W. Warwick. 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 Not the first Warwick. W, the middle one. <laughs> Warwick. 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 I think I'm getting it. All right. <laughs> Just he
1: is the best. I have to say, I, I am such a big fan of Warwick Davis. And all the roles he's done for Harry Potter and Star Wars and, and Willow, of course, the original Willow. And now they're going to have this on Disney Plus as well. And with a whole new generation of, uh, of actors and actresses, you know, some of, some of which we already know of. You know, they've starred in things like Spider-Man, uh, uh, the Spider-Man Homecoming and, and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and things like that. So these are, these are people that we know and we've seen before. So so cool stuff there Um, I was really surprised and delighted When they finally showed the whole She-Hulk Series Did you see the trailer for this Dave? Uh,
2: No I did not see that one either Check this out
0: I'm Jennifer Walters I'm a normal lawyer Well not that normal These transformations are triggered by Anger and fear Don't make me angry You wouldn't like me when I'm angry
1: she-Hulk. I love the fact that they brought back the Bill Bixby line. You know? And they're sitting there dressed in some 70s garb, and Mark Ruffalo's there trying to coach. Uh, I believe uh, Jennifer is a cousin of his. So, yeah, the exclusive first look of Disney Plus' She-Hulk, which is great. Another uh, big... Uh, Reveal was extended uh, looks into Moon Knight with Oscar Isaac from Star Wars. Check this out.
2: I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. The voice in your head. It devours you.
1: So, Moon Knight. A lot of people were didn't know about Moon Knight. It's not one of the top tier Marvel characters, but people were like, "So basically, Moon Knight is Batman for for Marvel." And I said, "Yes, but no." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this guy has got some serious uh, multiple personality disorders because he mm. was taken over by some ancient, uh, you know, ancient spirits, if you will. So uh, yeah, so he's more than uh, you, more than
2: that. You, you know, I was gonna say, Al, John, I I'll, I don't know how many people realize it, but when Disney purchased Marvel, there was a there was a catalog of five thousand characters, mm-hmm. five thousand characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're really going in and mining that catalog uh, for um, you know new properties to create uh, either uh you know, a series or uh to create uh you know standalone movies franchises.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh one of the last things uh we'll mention here and before we get into our interview is the fact that Miss Marvel, uh this I I believe um uh, Miss Marvel has been around for a long time in different iterations. Captain Marvel was initially known as Miss Marvel, Monica Rambeau from the WandaVision series, was known as Miss Marvel at one point, and now we have uh, Kamala, and she is now the new Miss Marvel, a teenager from Jersey with incredible superpowers. Talk about you!
2: It's not really the brown girls from Jersey City. You saved
0: the world. Maybe now they do.
2: I got this right.
1: Oh! Looks like they are saving that kind of teenage origin story that we missed out on, on Spider-Man for her. And, uh, Ms. Marvel is the first, uh, Muslim, uh, superhero that, wow. uh, that has uh, been, uh, presented in Marvel, I guess. And I remember when they debuted that, that character back in, I think 2015, 2014, I was at a comic con with Marvel and, um, it's great to see them diversifying. You know, so, but she's an incredible character. So we have that as well. That all of that is coming out, and uh, Dave, that's a lot of really cool reveals. I, I wish they did it all in one big panel.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 it's great though that they they put all this material out there to to get people excited um yep, yep. and and hopefully it's going to translate into boosting their subscriber numbers uh but more importantly those people who are already s- subscribed to it are going to enjoy a lot of uh, new material that's going to be dropping
1: yep there you go last but not least we do have a uh a regret for this week we do have gavin o'herley uh the missing brother on happy days who passes away at the age of 70 um they've we all talk about we love Happy Days. We love, I love that. There's a lot of things that have surfaced over this past week um, with some comments from um, Ron Howard, uh, mm-hmm. which are very interesting about Happy Days. But in the end, it was a great series, lasted for 11 years, and yeah. one person that I didn't see other than maybe the opening episode was Chuck Cunningham, the older brother, and this is Gavin's right. character.
2: Yeah, he was he was only in season one. And I think uh, they had somebody else play him for two additional episodes in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was it. Yeah. Interesting. Um,
1: but he has a, a large body of work. You know, he was in yeah, Never he was Say in a Never lot Again. Of stuff. Yeah, well, he was in Never Say Never Again, which yeah. is interesting. You know, it was one of those in- Never Say Never Again was an interesting Bond movie, to say the least. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have Charles. Uh, Death Wish 3, which is a classic, you know, with Charles Bronson. Mm -hmm. But uh, once again, he will be missed uh, in many, many different films and TV shows for sure.
2: Hey, hey, listen, before we get to our guests, I know I, I, I want to end our new segment on an upbeat note. OK, um, I, you know, Clifford, uh, the big red dog, yeah. uh, opened uh, to a pretty healthy or as the trades were saying, a frisky twenty two million dollars. <laughs> uh, and the Eternals has stayed number one at the box office. You know, I I went and saw the Eternals last week. Oh, yeah. On, uh, in IMAX. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, uh, it, it was a wonderful film. I mean, beautifully done. Uh, really great ensemble cast, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, the other film that I, I had a chance to see Al John uh, this week uh, was uh, the French Dispatch. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, the, the the Wes Anderson film, mm-hmm. and, and I have to tell you. Not sure that to me this was not his best film uh but uh visually it's just you know I, I you gotta love the way this guy composes uh his scenes uh and it was a killer cast of people i mean Bill Murray and uh you know uh just so many different people french actress uh Leah uh mm-hmm. uh yep. I think that's how you pronounce her last name it's a yep. silent x yep. Sado Sado uh she uh she was terrific uh in there uh and uh I have to uh you know I have to say uh you know he uses miniatures he uses animation uh just uh you know uh, a visual a visual delight is what I would say about the film uh the story Nah, it was it was okay to me you know. <laughs> okay. so but but yeah. i was glad I, I i had a chance to see it Very um good. so uh that that's the the movies this week oh that's great clifford looks
1: like an amazing fun family film so. I, i'm
2: actually gonna go see that i i want to see it because it, it it looks hilarious yeah it does look really hilarious yeah basically
1: uh get a puppy and see him grow overnight <laughs>
0: Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. And
1: and hilarity ensues, right? So yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, without further ado, here we are with our guest segment for this week.
2: Skull
0: Rock Podcast, interview time.
2: Well, Al John, as promised, we have another fantastic guest this week on the Skull Rock Podcast. And it is Richard Kraft, the co-owner of Kraft Engel Management, one of the world's leading agencies specializing in representing film, theater, television, and video game composers, songwriters, and music supervisors. But not only that, Richard is a producer and director himself of uh, stage productions, Hollywood Bowl concerts, you name it. And I just want to welcome you, Richard Kraft to the Skull Rock podcast. How are you? I am happy to be within the rock. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Richard, one of the first things I really wanted to talk to you about was how did you get into this business? Because you're at the pinnacle of music management. You are the, the kingpin as far as I'm concerned when we look at your roster of uh, celebrity composers. Uh,
0: but how did you start in this world? I started as a fan and I grew up in an incredibly boring town called Bakersfield, <laughs> which is about two hours away from Los Angeles. And anytime I could go to Disneyland it was the best day of my life. And I also started c- collecting movie soundtrack albums because I'm a nerd and I would buy them at Goodwill and they were a quarter each and anything that said original motion picture soundtrack, or original cast recording, I would buy it. I didn't know what the movies were, I didn't know what the shows were, but I loved that music. And I started to notice, I liked the ones written by people like John Barry and Jerry Goldsmith and Elmer Bernstein more than I liked the other people's stuff. Had no idea who they were, but then tracked them down because in those days, everyone had an you know, it was a listed number So I would just call directory information and ask for Elmer Bernstein, and they would connect me. And I'm I'm talking, I'm about eight years old when this happened. (laughs) And I go, hi, I'm such a fan of your work. Can I come over and interview you? So my brother and I, who's three years older than me, would get dropped off by my parents. would drop us off at Elmer Bernstein's house and we'd show up with our little index cards filled with questions. And my parents left me there, which nobody would do nowadays. (laughs) And and I met a lot of these film composers who were my idols as a child. And by the time I was out of high school, I had thousands of soundtrack albums. And I moved to L.A. to seek my fame and fortune. And I did that by passing out free movie tickets on street corners for recruited screenings of movies. This led to me getting a, a prestigious job Operating the Xerox machine at Canon Films, which was a company run by Menachem Golan and Yoram Kolobis. Yeah. And I noticed the material I was Xeroxing for the publicity department was in very broken English because I was one of the few native English speakers there. So I volunteered after my shift as the Xerox boy, <laughs> I would rewrite all the material. So they now put me in charge of writing the press releases Um, One day I was interviewing a director of a movie about his movie and he was putting in temporary music to for screening. I said, this music's horrible. And he goes, have you seen my choices? He pointed to a record shelf with like five records. I go, I got better stuff at home. I'll bring it in. So I brought in hundreds man, maybe dozens of (laughs) records. And he said, do you know how to operate an editing machine? And I lied and said yes. And so I did the job of putting together the temporary music for his movie. And word spread, I worked for free. And I ended up working on a bunch of movies, culminating in the classic motion picture, Sahara with Brooke Shields. (laughs) And they hired Ennio Morricone, the great composer of Spaghetti Westerns, to score it. And since I had worked on the music, they said, can you? pick him up at the airport so i now became the music department because i picked marconi up at the airport and then i got to hire composers and one of the first i worked with was elmer bernstein who i met as an eight-year-old and and did Uh, he remember you oh yeah or he claimed to and and he was working on another classic motion picture bo laro with bo Derek, and um and things went so poorly. They recorded in Italy. And I get a call from Elmer that Cannon had not paid their bills. So Bo Derek and Elmer Bernstein put the cost of the musicians on their credit cards. Uh, so this is my taste of that. I discovered the company was involved in some not-so-kosher activities. I blew the whistle, got fired. And called up my hero, Elmer Bernstein, and said, what should I do? I don't have a job. And he goes, you know more about film music than anyone. Why don't you go work for my agent? So I got the job as receptionist at a music talent agency, which I decided on my very first day on the job. It's now my company. And I suggested signing new clients. And the first one I suggested was Danny Elfman. Who had only scored his brother's cult movie called Forbidden Zone, but I loved it. And they said, no, he's a bad idea. And then after he did Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they said, Isn't that the guy you want to sign? So I ended up signing him, and Danny became my first client. And we've been together for like 30 something years. Wow. This then turns into a ran a soundtrack label called Verez Sarah Band, where I put out 50 records a year, their only policy was, you can put out whatever you want as long as you don't lose money. So I just put out geeky fan records that other geeky fans bought, and I still represented Danny, and he did Batman, and his career took off, and I got offered a job to work at a big talent agency, ICM, took Danny with me, hated working at a big talent agency, and eventually left and started my own company, and that's how I became an agent. And one of the interesting things that happened was Danny's career took off, and I got a phone call from Jerry Goldsmith. Now, Jerry Goldsmith, is, he's Chinatown, he's Star Trek, he's alien, he's, he's great. And his assistant called me and said, why does Danny Elfman have a better career than Jerry?" And I was 28 years old and very arrogant. And I said, well, because I'm his agent. And that led to Jerry Goldsmith becoming my second client. And then my third client in walks through my door, Mark Shaman, who did Hairspray and uh, Mary Poppins Returns and tons of stuff. But at the time, he hadn't done anything. But I thought it was funny. So I signed him having heard none of his music Based entirely on his personality, and his career took off. So my first three clients were really successful, which opened the door for lots of stuff.
2: So that was a lot of stuff to tell our audience. And there's a couple. I, I'm a little breathless at the moment. <laughs> there, there's a couple of things that I'd like to unpack here. Yeah, uh, I want to go back to when you're eight years old and say, what was it in that music that that got you excited, that w- that you liked about it?
0: Well, that's a great question. So it's twofold. My dad loved old movies. So he would drive us to the County Museum in L.A. for screenings of old films. And right before we saw the Errol Flid movie Adventures of Robin Hood, my dad goes, oh, listen to the music. It's really good. And I thought, are they going to sing? He goes, no, 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 there's a great background music by a guy, Eric Wolfgang Korngold. My dad was a teacher, so he's the kind of guy who would research what anything meant. And I heard symphonic music for the first time. And the music was about emotions. Most songs are about, I love you, you're breaking my heart, or let's party. Those are the three main subjects of popular music. But Adventures of Robin Hood was about nobility and camaraderie and romance and swash and buckle and things that were far more emotionally interesting, especially to a guy in Bakersfield. It's like someone's got big emotions in this music. And around the same time, I got into the James Bond movies and at Goodwill, I got the soundtrack to Thunderball. And. Oh, my, was I in love with that record. And I would run around my house pretending to be James Bond. I would jump over furniture, but I'm not much of a jumper, so I would crash into furniture to yeah. the music of John Barry. And then it, 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 I think what I loved is, like the John Barry, James Bond scores. They're not about action. There's very little actiony music. It's about attitude. It's about how cool James Bond is, and I love it. Made me feel like I had a little swagger, which I have not. So it was a, uh, a soundtrack to my own fantasy version of myself. So, I mean, so
2: this music, it, it evoked emotions within you when you listen to it.
0: Yes, I, and evoked emotions and a wide, wide range of subjects. Yeah, because every movie and I had never seen 99 percent of the movies that these soundtracks came from. And I saw zero percent of the original cast albums. So I would listen to like the cast album of Showboat and had no idea what the play was about. And I would make up my own plots of I would listen to songs. And it turns out when I finally saw Showboat, my version's much better. (laughs) I mean, like the song Old Man River, I assumed that had to do with a slave with years of oppression. It's like a toss off of a character we barely meet and two women, I believe, complaining about romance. And he says, oh, loves like Old Man River and then sings the best song ever written.
2: Yeah.
0: And there's never I don't believe heard from again in the entire show. <laughs> but in my version, he's the main character okay <laughs> that's great <laughs> now you, here's the thing when you live in a really boring place yeah you use your imagination a lot yeah and when you have supportive parents who think driving you to film composers houses in LA is a good idea it's that combination of I was in my little world in my little apartment with my parents and then the world would expand once or Twice a month when my parents took me to L.A. Okay.
2: Yeah. So the rest of the time you were were living in your head a little bit. A lot. Yeah. Okay. Now, you said something else that was interesting when you were working at Canon Films. And uh, and I'm aware of Canon Films from back in those days and the types of movies they were putting out and and their business model, uh, which ultimately collapsed. (laughs) But uh, but but you said something that is kind of a theme on this show for we're talking, you know, we we talk to a lot of different artists and musicians. and, And and one of the themes is, you know, when somebody asks you to do something, you
0: just say yes. Even if you yeah. don't know how to do it, and, and and then you go figure it out, right? Everything's figure outable, especially now. There's a YouTube video about how to do anything. That's right. I mean, uh, if uh, I yeah. wanted to, if I wanted to tickle the belly button of a moth, someone has already made a <laughs> YouTube, <house-tube yeah>. video. <laughs> and also the thematic, it was interesting. When I worked at Canon, n- Almost everyone had a really bad attitude working there because they pointed out the pay was horrible. The hours were long. The furniture was held together by duct tape. We were working on the worst movies ever made. And most people complain about that. But myself and two friends I met there thought we were like pigs and shit because we got to work on movies. Someone led us work on film and who was going to let us in the door and one of them they were one of them was from israel yeah and he loved the opportunity and he ended up producing life of pie yeah. and my other friend was from australia and again oh my god i always dreamed of being in hollywood and he was in hollywood and he ended up producing shrek so i do see this sort of youthful enthusiasm. And I can do anything, even though if I don't know how to do it. And a lack of, it's not even like I thought of complaining. I didn't even, there was nothing to complain about. I was working on movies. Now, the, one of the first movies I ever worked on was a Judd Nelson classic called Making the Grade. And <laughs> I think it was the first movie my name was in the credits. So I called my parents up on a Friday and said, oh, my gosh, go see Making the Great. My name's in the end credits. And I called them on Monday and said, uh, so what'd you think? And they go, we didn't go. We read the reviews. It's supposed to be horrible. <laughs>
2: You know, but but that whole idea of just saying yes at a place, I, I think that uh, today the 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 youth of today and I don't want to date myself, but I I just see a lot more people saying, well, I don't know. I, I I've never done that before. And I kind of experienced that with some of the younger folks coming in when I was working at Disney, you know, where you would go talk to somebody about doing something. Well, I, I haven't done that before.
0: Well, and, I, you know, and, you know, I do want to say there's probably a bit of a generational thing, but even when I was starting out, the majority of the people were in the, I don't know, or I don't want to be taken advantage of, Mm -hmm. or this stuff isn't worth working on. So there was a lot of hemming and hawing surrounding me.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Thank goodness, because it weeded out any competition. It was like... (laughs) The people who were there at midnight still working with no financial compensation did well. Now I will point out something I've become a little more enlightened with is we were all blessed. We were financially able to support ourselves because the way we lived was cheap, but we weren't that broke. Right. And we we were white males who Everything at the time, I didn't realize how much easier that made everything. But it did. There were things I was privileged to have that I didn't even realize how privileged I was at the time. Yeah. Now, with that said. So were all the people surrounding me. And for some reason, it didn't click for them. And so I was never big on cashing in my chips too early. I always figured, let me be in demand for something and then i can get a command a lot more for my services and uh, to me the beginning you're not supposed to do that well right and you're trying to accumulate experience yeah exactly But, but it isn't easy and show business is a weird business and if you don't love it, if you don't love the circus of it all and the crazy characters you meet, I got to work with Menachem Golan. That guy was a <laughs> character. who's was the job of the hut of Studio Moguls. Yeah. But it was Job of the Hut who let me work on his movies. Yeah. And pick up Ennio Marconi at an airport. So he was wonderful and and ridiculous. And over the years, I've met so many ridiculous characters and the generation ahead of me have all these great stories of working with Roger Corman mm-hmm. and people worked with Ed Wood. Right. And they get to talk about working with Ed Wood. Yeah. So I, I think appreciation goes a long way. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I, and I think there's a lot to be said about just saying yes and going off and trying to do something,
0: you know, and figuring it out because that's how you learn. Well, Mark Shaman wrote a song about me called my it's called Yes. And it's all about how my agent always makes me say yes. <laughs> and it's, it's quite funny. And it, it even he, in the song, he's passed out on the ground. And I'm still pushing him to work on something. So <laughs> um, the movie Yes, Men I think is a documentary.
2: That's, uh, I I would say it is absolutely
0: now, and especially and yeah. especially Disney,
2: yeah,
0: because Disney is all hopes and dreams turned into reality, yeah. And what I loved about Walt Disney is he was a dreamer who dreamed of castles, but also works with teamsters to make them, yeah, and to find people who are willing to do the work part of it in addition to the dreaming part of it. That's a rare combination. And you have to kind of be lovably insane and passionate about something to kind of plow through the realities of situations
2: sure and and walt uh, walt really to me was was a was really the best uh of a casting director that you could find because he saw in people what uh you know the the, he saw he saw qualities in individuals that they didn't even know they had oh
0: every story without fail of anybody we look up to and admire walt saw them Everyone's story is they were hired for one thing and ended up in some incredibly elevated position. If something, usually the person had no training for whatsoever. Yeah. Like no one had training as an imagineer.
2: Oh no. They were, they were making
0: it up and inventing it as they went along. Exactly. And he goes, that guy's a good storyteller. Let's have him work on the story of this, this guy. I, how, how, I'll never say his name right. Exate X. ex, ex Atencio. Thank you. Ex Atencio. Is the lyricist. Yes. Of, <laughs> it's like, and what I love about the lyrics of of um pirates. Pirates, yeah. It's like someone got out of Thesaurus. There's Char and Ignite. It's like, <laughs> let's just. Where they list the qualities of the person of, of a pirate, yeah, and it's just a book of lists. <laughs> <laughs> and what I also love is when anyone tries to sing "Yo Ho," yeah, after they go "Yo Ho, Yo Ho," pirates like to be we. And they always then go, da 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 da, da. No one, <laughs> no one
2: no knows one has lyrics. Ever,
0: <laughs> not since the original recording <laughs> session has anyone sung every one of those lyrics. <laughs> Absolutely. We're really bad eggs is a <laughs> I lyric. Know, I know. <laughs> I will guarantee no lyricist would come up with we're really bad eggs. Or when you hear the nail of a Requiem bell, this is... Only Walt would have pointed his fingers to that guy. And goes, you're writing this stuff. But,
2: but is, isn't that a great song, though?
0: I it mean, is. It's, it's, it's such a with-
2: wonderful song.
0: Yes. And one of the things I've learned about songwriting, there are times where the lyrics matter and there are times the music leads. Alan Menken told, said this. He said, in Be Our Guest, it's all about the lyrics. So we wrote the simplest tune he could write to support the lyrics. But there are other songs where the music is more of the driving force. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the music in the parks is by design or by accident, they usually figure it out in the tiki 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 room. That part matters. And then blah, 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 blah. And then back to the the hook. The, the chorus. Yes. Now a song that music and lyrics. Are equally balanced in importance as "Small World," mm-hmm. which is a song most people could probably recite all the lyrics to, and they're in that right forever lording them anyway, <laughs> so yeah. they can't get it out of their heads. Not <laughs> at all. And, and um, I'm jumping all over the place. No, but, that's okay. But it's like I work with Richard Sherman. Yes. This is the guy's still alive telling me amazing stories mm-hmm. of, and the, the theme of all of them are enthusiasm and hard work. And uh, it's one of my favorite stories is after him and Robert won Academy Awards, they each won two. So they've got four Oscars, and they go to Walt Disney's office the day after the award ceremony and put them on his desk. And Walt's response was something along the lines of, that's nice, so what are you working on now?
2: <laughs>
0: uh, that, isn't, that the way, isn't that always the way,
2: though? It's like once you, you, you've accomplished something, it's like, okay, what, what's your next project? What are you yes, doing it's next? It's
0: interesting. In my little world of film music, the number of composers who won the Oscar for best score mm-hmm. and were fired off of their next movie is an enormous number. Is it really? Yes. And my theory is film music, you have to decide, are you the turkey or are you the base team? And the score is the base team. And for a moment after you win an Oscar, you think you're the turkey. Ah, okay. That, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I I I one of the things I do for a living is look at I'm like a lighthouse who looks at patterns of the boats. And try yeah. to make a pot hit each other, and so I spent way too much time observing trends and patterns and a lot about human nature.
2: What do you What do you think the uh, the trends are in, in in film music today?
0: I think there's two opposite trends. One is the there's a trend against melody. You know when I was loving film music it was the masters of melody john williams being the top of the heap right. but every amblin movie had it whether it was written by james horner or john williams it was going a bruce brown it was going to have great tunes and now it's more um uh supportive but not it's it's textural so adding which mood is not, it, which is yes, adding crazy. mood to it yeah which is personally not my cup of tea
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's like you think of back to the future and that theme it not only has an a section it has a b section a c and a d that tune has it it allowed alan silvestri to use fragments of his overall melody in so many great ways i mean all you need to hear is like that fanfare ba 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 ba, da, 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 ba ba but that's not the main theme that's the fanfare leading into the main theme yeah and, and it was just such an abundance of tunes and now it is um very textural but on the other end of the spectrum which makes me very happy musicals are back right and so boy those are about tunes so i work with for example Patrick and paul who did greatest showman and wrote the lyrics for la la land they did dare and Hansen. and they're working on the new snow white movie writing additional songs okay. and adapting the old songs and they're all about great tunes right
2: right i and and that's uh, that to me leads to uh the stage productions you've been involved in and and, and so i have to ask you went from you know uh f- you know, working your way and, and, and working way up the ladder and then becoming this agent and then breaking away and setting up your own management firm. Um, how did you get into directing and producing stage
0: productions? It started, I was in my 50s by the time I started, but I've always made stuff. I made the late millimeter movies. I made, um, I made a docu- feature documentary about myself. And my, and my son and my collections of stuff
2: and, and so, the collection we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in our our second show
0: with you yeah so, but uh, just keep in mind i collect a bunch of stuff yes I made a film about it <laughs> and so i'm always making things but then danny Elsman, i it was having maybe his 25th year of working with tim burton and i said Oh, well, why isn't there a show of Danny Elfman's music from the films of Tim Burton? And the show didn't have a director, didn't even have it. There was no content. And we booked it at Royal Albert Hall in London on a specific date with no show. So someone had to put it together. And I just and I'm working with Danny and he's someone who wasn't going to just go oh, just play whatever was in the movie. He rewrote everything as sweets. And I get bored. My AD is it ADD? ADD, yes. It's very helpful because I, it's like, okay, how long can we watch musicians playing Danny's music? Well, what's the visual going to be? Unfortunately, Tim Burton has conceptual art on all his movies. So yeah. that became the visual. But then, even then it was like, well, once the audience knows that's what we're going to do, what are we going to do next? And it was like, wait, in Edward Scissorhands, there's a violin gypsy solo when he's the barber. Why don't we expand that and bring in a solo viol- a, a, a violinist to really expand and give a violin performance in front of the audience? And then it was like, you know it would be really good to end this show with? Danny, I know you have not sung in public for 18 years. What if you sang, since you're the original singing voice of Jack Skellington, why don't you sing the songs from Nightmare Before Christmas to end the concert? And Danny, who had not been on stage for 18 years, shows up, not only is he singing the songs, he has to sing them in synchronizations of the movie. And we did song highlights. As soon as that was over Danny goes why don't we do a whole show of nightmare before christmas and we tested it out in Tokyo and then Danny goes why don't we do it the hollywood bowl and I go oh yeah we've got like a year and a half and he goes no I mean this season and so we put together nightmare before christmas live in concert in a matter of months and it was a big success huge and, and the people at the hollywood bowl said What would you like to do next? I go, I'd love to do The Little Mermaid. And the guy at the bowl said, I've never seen the movie, but if you say it's good, let's do it. And so that led to the concept of these shows is let's have, we'll show the movie with an orchestra playing the score. And then when it's time for a song, let's bring out a performer who loves the songs, but not the original voices of these. Mm -hmm. So I had heard Sarah Bareilles was a big fan of Ariel. And so I was like, would you like to, for two or three nights, be Ariel singing Little Mermaid? And then Rebel Wilson was Ursula. And it was just like putting together a really weird dinner party. John Stamos was Chef Louis and it went really well. So then, that led to doing Beauty and the Beast with Zoe de Chanel, uh, Tate Diggs, and Kelsey Grammer's Lumiere. And then, because I get bored, it was like one of the things I obsess about when I go to Disney theme parks are their castle projection shows. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like the ultimate magic trick. Yeah, there's the castle, and suddenly it can do anything. So I tracked down the company that does them, and I thought, you know, the shell of the Hollywood Bowl is an iconic piece of architecture, just like the castles are. What if we projected onto the bowl? So I did La La Land, it was the first one, then I did Willy Wonka, and then it just became more and more, let's animate a bunch of cool stuff on the bowl while this, these concerts are going on. Yeah. And then most recently, because the bowl was not available, We went to a soccer stadium in L.A. and just did Nightmare Before Christmas. And Catherine O'Hara, who's the voice of Sally, was not available. She was shooting something. So it's like, there's no other Catherine O'Hara. So what's a completely different direction? And I thought, you know what? I bet you Billie Eilish is a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas. Turns out she was. So we got Billie Eilish to do the show.
2: You know, it's so amazing. You mentioned Billie Eilish. She did an incredible uh, No Time to Die uh, for the title sequence in in the latest Bond movie. All roads
0: lead back to Bond, by the way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, Six Degrees of Bacon? Yes. I can usually do Three Degrees of Bond. (laughs) (laughs) But she is so... Skip how talented she is. Yeah, she's so curious and interested, Mm -hmm. and she's what is her life going to be? If you're 19 years old and you've already written a James Bond theme, yeah, I can only imagine it's going to be this incredible journey. And she's got a great attitude, yeah, and and she's game, you know. She so directing um, came late in life for me. Mm-hmm. Bossing people around came early in life <laughs> and, and getting people to say yes. Yes, oh <laughs> bending my gosh. bending them to your will. Yes. Look, <laughs> my ultimate hero move is Tom Sawyer getting everyone to paint the white picket fence and think they're having fun doing it. Yes. And it's like, well, if I create an environment where people are thinking they're having fun then they'll do a bunch of stuff right. and, 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 and somewhere along the line thought make a circus and make sure it's the circus people want to run away to be part of yeah and, and look besides james bond the other big figure in my life was walt disney and what i found fascinating he had a desk so on his tv show He sat at a desk, which made him look very professional. He wore a suit and tie. So he's clearly a businessman. But then he's showing cartoons and talking about the new attractions at Disneyland. And I thought, this is the coolest thing in the world. He's an artist and a guy who makes things happen. He clearly owns a phone and a desk. I want to be like that guy. (laughs) I want to
2: ask you, so I want to step back for a second, because you said we booked the Royal Albert Hall in London and we didn't have a show. Well, the first question I want to ask, and and I really want our audience to hear this, because how do you book the Royal Albert Hall or any hall? I mean, do you just you, Richard, pick up the phone and go, hi, this is Richard. I want to book the Royal Albert Hall. Is it available on such and such
0: a day? That's a great question. And it's like everything you form a team of circus performers mm-hmm. that want to put on a show. And I had met and I don't even remember. Oh, I had a meeting cause I was in New York and there was a company that booked classical artists. Mm-hmm. And I had a general meeting with them. I think it was Danny I wanted to get into the world of ballet. So I thought maybe they had, there's some reason I went and met with them. And I mentioned this Tim Burton idea and they said, well, what size venue and what are you thinking? And we came up together with Royal Albert Hall. They had the right phone number because that's their business is booking classical. Yeah. And what was weird is someone had to pay for this before. And they had enough faith in it that they fronted the money before there was a show, and they barely knew who I was.
2: Wow! So really, on so, rep—it was really on reputation, though. I mean, your reputation oh, I think precedes it was you
0: entirely on charm.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but normally you would have had to have put a deposit down,
0: like going into a wedding yeah. venue, right? I mean, it's yeah, like absolutely, uh, yeah. and in that particular case. You've got to be part of their programming. Now, the Hollywood Bowl is interesting. There's three seasons at the Hollywood Bowl. There's the summer, Mm -hmm. which is the LA Phil and subscriptions. Mm -hmm. But right before the summer and right after the summer, it's booked on one-off things, which are usually, you know, pop acts or jazz group, you know, and it's, That's why when I said I talked to the Hollywood Bowl guy. Yeah. I talked to the guy who has the Hollywood Bowl for the weeks before the season and the weeks after. Okay. And he could just get off the phone with me and the very next phone call is with Kanye West people about booking the day before us or the day after us. It's just finding stuff. Yeah. And this leap of faith that the things we're talking about i've never put my money in any of this stuff right right it's other people seeing the vision that this could work yeah and then as you start developing a bit of a track record it's easier to take the leap of faith but they're all leaps of faith
2: yeah sure i mean because it's really i mean the
0: audiences are fickle right oh boy i thought willy wonka was going to be our biggest show Uh uh-huh I had the projections. I had scratch and sniff cards. You could scratch at the right moment. We put up on the screen scratch number three yeah. and it would smell like chocolate or snozberries smelled like snozzberries. <laughs> or there's a part where he tosses dirty tennis shoes in a vat and I got the smell of dirty tennis shoes. This show was going to be spectacular. I had Finn Wolfhart from Stranger Things to play Charlie. It was like Well, This is the ultimate home run. Everyone loves this movie, and we're going to put on such an insane production of it, and it was not a hit. Wow. And so you won't do it again? Unfortunately, no. And, you know, it was like the movie is challenging. Willy Wonka Gene Wilder does not show up for 40 minutes, Right. and there's very little music in the beginning of the movie. Mm. So, again, because I'm have to be entertained every five minutes. I stuck songs in the movie that don't belong. So there's the song, I've Got a Golden Ticket. But that's only when Charlie gets the golden ticket. So I said, let's do versions of I've Got a Golden Ticket for each of the kids and we'll write new arrangements like Augustus Gloop will do a polka. And for Mike TV, he's dressed up as a cowboy. We'll do a hoedown version. And no one asked for new versions of I Got a Golden Ticket. But and one of my greatest moments of pride is Violet Beauregard's father is a used car salesman. Yeah. So we um I said, What's the music of a used car salesman? And I came up with cheesy 1960s game show music. And for the first and last time ever in the history of the Hollywood Bowl joining the dancers because it was a used car lot you know those inflatable dance dancers that flop around oh yeah get, uh, i with don't the, know what the with,
2: with the fuzzy hair they're they're, yeah. tu- they're tubes uh, yeah. with, with arms hanging off of them they flop around
0: right yeah, yeah they were our backup dancers <laughs> <laughs> and, and again i kind of keep doing stuff until somebody says no yeah like most recently At the Nightmare Before Christmas one, I saw a video on YouTube of a 12-foot-tall puppet of Jack Skellington that was in a show that only had 36 performances at Disney World. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's like, I got to get that puppet. And the thought that I'm not going to get the puppet never crossed my mind. Right. Somebody's got the phone number of the guy with the puppet. Yeah. And if you talk to the guy who talks to the guy who talks to the gal who talks to the guy, you end up getting the puppet. And you got the puppet. I got the puppet. And then the puppet's so cool. And he its like, OK, now what's the puppet going to do? And Danny Elfman wrote a bunch of new script for the puppet to be the host. And he voiced it. And then the way they program the facial stuff, its mouth and its eyes. It's all pre-programmed. Mm-hmm. And then there's, it's just amazing people that do stuff like that. Sure. And I'm directing a 12 foot tall puppet that I can safely say I have zero puppet experience, but you just make it up.
2: Now, now that was the show that was a week or so ago, week and a yes. half ago. Right. And, yes. and you said it wasn't at the Hollywood Bowl. Cause I
0: know you, you reached out. You know, out that and show you- was at the bank of California's soccer stadium. Okay. And, and where is that stadium? It's downtown LA. Okay. And it was, it's a recently built stadium that was designed to also have concerts, Oh, but I had to change. There was no way to do my projections that I already made mm. for the Hollywood bowl version. Yeah, So that's why things like the puppet matter. Yeah. It's like, I did not want to deliver a show that was less good. But somewhere in the intersection of Billie Eilish and a 12 foot tall puppet, I didn't think anyone was going to complain. They didn't get their money's worth.
2: Now, now you did did you have to put up a stage facility, like it, yes. build the stage and everything at one That's, end of it, the. Yeah,
0: you know. but it's the circus. There's the guy who makes right. the stages. Yes. There's the lighting designers. Sure. And, and what I found interesting is everyone making something just wants to be appreciated. And they want direction, like what's the vision of what this is going to be? Yeah. And frequently, I don't have a vision until someone asks me the question. Yeah. And then I make up a vision.
2: And and, and you're collaborating with them too, right? Because you're you're dealing with each person.
0: Each person's a professional,
2: so you're like you're, you're you're spitballing ideas with them, right?
0: Yes. I have zero idea how you actually. Operate a twelve-foot-tall puppet of Jack Skellington, <laughs> but they know how to talk to the guy who does. Yeah, and so um, that is with everything. If you aren't intimidated by a lack of knowledge, yeah, and if you are enthusiastic and you can enlist other people to be enthusiastic, you can kind of do anything.
2: Yeah, yeah. And how did how did the show go off this year at that venue?
0: Oh, it was a huge hit. Good. And, and Danny Elfman, who's the cornerstone of the show working,
2: because
0: yeah. he's got to do all the heavy lifting. Sure. It was his best performance ever. Wow. That's and I awesome. Think a little of it is his background as a star of Oingo Boingo who would play at concert venues. It By not being at the Hollywood Bowl, it liberated him to be a little bit more of the rock star version of himself. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, I've seen him do the show so many times. It was like, mm. what happened to Danny? He is really killing this. He's on
2: fire. Yeah. I, I wish I i wish I was in town for that. I, I know you, you were kind enough to reach out and offer me tickets. And I really do wish I was in town, but I was with my 90 year old mother.
0: Oh come on! She would have loved it.
2: She w- yeah, but I. But my ninety-year-old mother's in New York, you know. So and I. You I, know I, what? I, that no.
0: is one of the better excuses I've ever heard. <laughs> no, it's and it's true. Yeah, I would. I, <laughs> even I would not suggest putting your ninety-year-old mother <laughs> on an airplane to look at a giant puppet.
2: I know she would have. She would if she was in town, though. I would have brought her. She would have loved it. You know. It,
0: it, well, it was, and, and like the thing about this live stuff. It was like two weeks ago, but it could have. it feels like a dream.
2: Yeah. yeah. Not
0: there anymore. Fortunately, everyone films it on their iPhone and puts it on YouTube. So you get to see it.
2: Yeah, I I actually got to see a picture of the 12 foot puppet uh, uh, uh,
0: on Facebook. Somebody uh, had posted it. You know, there's two lives, real life and Facebook life. Yes. And they're both important.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to keep people informed. But um, uh, are you going to do the Nightmare Show every
0: year or is it you Who take time off? Who knows? I'm already brainstorming my weirdest idea, which I've got to get people to go along with. Okay. But I have a really weird idea that I'm looking forward to.
2: OK, And you're not going to spill the beans here, are you not
0: going to spill the beans? All I can say is it's a Disney property that I want to reimagine how it's presented.
2: Fantastic. All right. That is uh, so you're you're just busy as can be. And and what's the state of the music
0: business um, in, in film? It, it is the best of times and the worst of times. hmm. Uh-huh everyone is like what's this streaming thing and how do we monetize it and who's going to be the in the forefront of streaming which does change a lot of financial dynamics and creative dynamics and so I, it, it feels a little wild west right now mm-hmm. which i always love the wild west it's like <laughs> it, 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 I'm not that excited about making a deal for a composer to do part 13 of a franchise that is not going to get anyone excited. Yeah. But again, going back to Danny, that guy likes a challenge. Like when I said, would you like to write the music for mystic manor at Hong Kong Disneyland? It was like, I get to work on an attraction and he went there for a week or two just for the plate figuring out where the speakers should go and how to balance them and it was so using a new part of his brain that it never happened and the reason he got the job i went to a d23 convention Mm -hmm. and there was imagineers with a model of this upcoming attraction and go who's writing the music for it and they go, we don't know yet. And I go, well, this looks like a Danny Elfman thing. They go. yeah, that'll happen. And I go, no, it really will happen. I'm his agent. <laughs> and, that, and that's really how it
2: happens. That's how it happens. My gosh, that, that is just amazing. Well, Richard, and, and, and
0: I'm sharing all the stories of things that worked out.
2: But I, and I'm sure the
0: things don't work out. Yeah, but I mean, there's things that blow up uh, for everybody, right? Yeah. And realizing that you win some, you lose some, and not fix. The only reason to fix, even look at your things that didn't work, is is there a valuable lesson in this? Mm-hmm. But I'm always moving on to the next thought, and it's like, okay, so that didn't work, or that didn't materialize, but I'll just try some more stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, 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 and a lot of people. Use age as an excuse that they can't, it's too late to try something new. I don't like that. No, and there's two contrary things you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and it's never too late to learn. So, right. which one are you going to pick? It's never too late to learn. Yeah, and one of the things I admire about you is you create content and dot d. Do deep dive into things. Nobody's ever thought of really putting that much thought into it. And you share your knowledge and you also it's the words. It's how they come together with the photos. It's what the experience of it is. You're a showman who uses published materials. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. It's true. I mean, I work on the stages and you work on coffee tables. I, but I, I do yes. <laughs> that, that, that's what I do now yes <laughs> and how many
2: previous lives did you have uh, quite a number actually you know, because yeah, isn't when, when, that great? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, all the animated films, and then all the theme park attractions, and uh, you know, the these uh, the projection shows, and the worlds of color, and all of those things, you know, and and now books. So, and you're a big fan, and I do appreciate that because you you actually you and I have had conversations about Cam Weber and you have my yes. Cam, you have my Cam Weber book.
0: Yes, I do, and that is a perfect example of a guy I did not know existed, who created things I adore. They, they did reproductions of his furniture that they used to sell at some furniture chain. Yeah, and yeah. my house was filled with it. I never bothered to think, A, did somebody, one person think of these things? B, why did Walt Disney, who's in the middle of building a studio, elect that style? Mm-hmm. and see it through it's, it's it's beautiful and practical and so sort of like the ultimate Walt disney yes yeah it's the guy with the, the desk and the phone no reason not to make the desk look good it's, a cam, it's a cam weber desk yes <laughs> and he trusted some guy to make it yes yeah and down to you the coat hangers fitting the, the little cabinets it's like, so I found the book fascinating and, yeah. and like the, I don't know anything of the history of the Disneyland hotel. A guy wrote a book about it.
2: Don Ballard. Yes. Don Ballard. And and he just re-released that. Uh, oh, I know. He, I, I yeah. don't think
0: it's out yet. I think yes. I have it on pre-order. No, no, it's out. Oh my God. Yeah, I yeah. may have to end this podcast early. Uh, I hope not. No, <laughs> but, but, we live in this golden age when you can go to Disney Plus and there's a series about behind the scenes of attractions. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm learning stuff. I thought I knew my Disney trivia. Yeah. They stumble and present things that I would never have known. Yeah. And they, or, so there's, an, I've made nothing, I've repurposed other people's ideas and which is a very imaginary thing to do with the exception of things like pirates and haunted mansion, they didn't make Mr. Toad. They, they there was already a movie of Mr. Toad, right. but someone had to figure out how to turn that into an experience. Yep. And boy, did they do a good job. Claude Coates, <laughs> which is also a new book about, correct? That's right.
2: That's my latest book.
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, um, but how much do we love that all roads will lead the James Bond or one of your books?
2: (laughs) Okay. Six degrees of one of my books, huh?
0: Exactly. (laughs) I know
2: it's crazy. It really is. Listen, I want to, I, I, we're going to wrap up this segment, but I want to let our audience know that we're coming back with you next week to talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart and that is collecting. Yep. So we'll see you next week.
0: Yes, All right, you Richard.
2: Will. Thank you so
0: much. This has been a wonderful hour. Thanks for letting me talk incessantly. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's magic kingdom. Skull Rock podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney.
2: Wow.
1: A lot of stories about music there and people.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and, and just a terrifically nice person. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm so fortunate that I've gotten to know so many people in the industry, and, and and so many of them are just such nice people. And Richard is at the top of the heap uh and hearing some of those stories and, and and by the way just trying to like how do you book the royal albert hall you know yeah. i mean honestly uh i you know it, it's just uh really uh some fun fun behind the scenes stories there well we are definitely
1: looking forward to more from richard craft incredible music uh uh manager but also an incredible collector and we're going to hear about some of that in next week's episode
2: right yeah next week is going to be fabulous sure. uh, in the meantime richard's going to be camping out in the green room for a week uh so we'll make sure we uh, leave some bulk snacks for him
1: exactly you know my panera card is uh, getting run out
2: uh, from all of the
1: panera <laughs> we're having to order for backstage uh deli plates and such so absolutely you want to make sure you tune in for that we've got a, a load of more guests coming up here for the holidays for you uh, more ear candy if you will so please check us out and don't forget leave us those five star reviews if you think we've deserved them on all those podcast platforms wherever you get podcasts follow us on our socials as well instagram uh we are also on twitter and facebook and i will say this is a really cool thing dave now that our podcasts actually get published straight onto facebook so if you're one of those people like me yeah if you're one of those people like me um, and just want to have something on in the background, you have uh, Facebook open. Whenever a new episode gets published, it automatically goes up to Facebook and you can just click that link and you'll be able to hear it now. So, not only everywhere you get podcasts, but now also in the brand new Facebook podcast player. So,
2: see, I'm down, y'all, John. This internet is no fad. <laughs> it is not an <laughs> NFT, it is a fungible <laughs> token
1: after all. It is certainly fungible. So, uh, and we appreciate, I can't even speak. <laughs> uh, so we also like to uh, thank everyone once again for listening and providing uh, providing that uh, that feedback for us every single week. So thank you so much for doing that. Drop us those emails as well, if you will. Uh, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljohn at SkullRockPodcast.com. We'll be talking about our upcoming guests and, and all kinds of stuff. And take those polls. I, I will also say this. If you go to Spotify, uh, we also have some interactive polls for us as well. Um, I interact with some folks over there as well. And maybe if, if you guys vote and talk about some of your favorite stuff there on Spotify and our interactive uh, queue there, um, we'll feature you on an upcoming show. So anyway, that is enough of me, Dave. You've got the final word.
2: Well, as always, Al John, peace and love to everybody out there. Uh, We appreciate you listening to our show. Go out, have a fantastic week. Uh, Remember, the holidays are coming up. Everybody's in a rush. Just slow down, take your time a little bit, and we will see you here next week on the Skull Rock Podcast.
1: Well over a 100 times, so they've got that knowledge at their hand, as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney?
0: They can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com.
1: Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We'd love to thank charles Lindsay, spencer and joshua to support this podcast to sustain future episodes visit anchor.fm forward slash podcast
0: i'm Kristen hetzel vacation planner world traveler disney foodie
1: and theme park fan i'm al john go i'm the husband who's also disney star wars and marvel comics fan and together we host a disney list podcast
0: Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks,
1: films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10
0: list, rankings, and more.
1: That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook. The Disney List podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.